Oh, um, uh, I had last night. So, yeah, get on with it. Get on with it. I thought I'd, uh, I'd do some cracker jokes to kind of get me, uh, get me warmed up. What's the mo most important Christmas wine? Oh, sorry, what's the most popular Christmas wine? I don't like Brussels sprouts. How did Mary and Joseph know that Jesus was the seven pound, six ounce baby when he was born? They had a way in a manger. Okay. One more. What did Adam say to his wife uh, the day before Christmas? It's Christmas. It's Christmas, Eve? Yeah. Okay. But I said I wouldn't say those. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> also lost uh, so I hope you forgive me today. I'm, I'm likely to go off piece. Uh, it was awesome yesterday and Friday. It was um, it was one of the one of the most moving days and the most tiring days, uh, two days probably of, of the year. Um, but it was incredible. So people came in and they'd they'd gone through their own clothes and they they cried over some of their clothes, imagining what this would do to a, a refugee, what, what this would do to a displaced person. Uh, and so people came in, and it was a. Some people brought their gifts, not handouts. People brought their gifts to uh, to be given, to be given away. And uh, it, it is a privilege. Uh, our our main idea is that we can do, we can only do what we can with what we have wherever we are. And so three or four weeks ago, we just thought, yeah, we could we could do this. We could. Uh, be a hub for London, South London, and collect clothes to, to then get sent and dispatched away. Um, uh, and it's an utter privilege. Um, we, had, we met so many people, so many people came and volunteered uh, in the room, but also people heard about wanting to help. And uh, some people, uh, even this morning, uh, all of this stuff are things that we can't give away. Cause not that, not those boxes. Not those boxes. Um, the bags. The bags. Because uh, we want to give the best. We want to give the best to, to people. So all kinds of new jackets, new clothes that we, we just wanted to give. About 10 years ago, um, I, I, had, I had a vision, a kind of in my mind, I had an imagination. And I saw in, my, in this vision of a, of a storehouse, like an old barn. And in there was... It was full of crutches and wheelchairs and walking sticks and frames. And, and I thought it was to do with healing, like God wanting to, us to see miracles, like people healed. And so they would give, give their sticks and their walking frames to us. And um, just last Saturday, we, we were out on the streets praying for people. And a lady, she, got, she came with a walking stick and she got healed. And she didn't need to use her walking stick anymore. Uh, and so the last 10 years, I, I thought, wouldn't it be great to have, so instead of, um, in some countries, they, they would like have trophies of wild animals that they captured and they would have like, they would mount them. I said, wouldn't it be great to mount 
walking sticks, frames, just as a, as a sign of the thing. So I tried to say, well, give me your walking stick now that you don't need it. Can I have it? Can I have it? And uh, so she refused. But she sort of followed it up. <laughs> um, and yesterday I was just struck just by the, the walking sticks and the, the frames and the wheelchairs that, that God has created this vision to me came to life that we're able to give people dignity and we're able to give people uh, freedom, people that can't walk, people that need a wheelchair. We're able just to give, to give, to give, to give. Um, uh, sometimes when I, when I think about Jesus, I, I need to reread the Gospels and uh, I want to see him in some of the pages. Uh, and Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Uh, I, I don't know if that challenges you, that challenges me. Um, the, the goal, I think, of Christian living or ministry or being a disciple is to look like Jesus. And the best definition I've, I, I've seen or come up with about a disciple or follower is that someone, they, they've moved from being self-centered to being Christ-centered. A, the, 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 a disciple of Jesus is someone who's moving from just thinking about themselves, uh, what about me, to what, how can I be more Christ-like? And we own the best way to be a disciple, the, the best way to be a follower of Jesus is um, to read your Bibles. It's far in the best, the best way to, to be a follower of Jesus is to read, read the scriptures. But I don't know about you, when you read the life of Jesus or you hear his teachings, uh, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And uh, there's a phrase that's gone around, uh, that Jesus is perfect theology. That if you want to, if you want to know what God looks like, or how, what his personality is, or his behaviour, how he would treat people, just look at the way Jesus treated, treated people. Uh, and so at Christmas, we remember, we remember the Son of God in all his glory. But what he did is he chose to become vulnerable he chose to be born as a human baby, not just to be born, uh, but to be born to a teenage mum who wasn't married when she, was, when she conceived. Uh, he was born to a carpenter's family, not a rich one. Uh, he was born amongst the moose and the bleats and probably a whole load of manure, probably a whole load of crap he was born into. And, and at Christmas, uh, this, is, this is going to be an uncomfortable story, a comfortable couple of minutes, which is why I put some of the bad jokes at the beginning. Um, but we remember that God, he left his comfort, he left his splendor, he left his, his, his throne room in order to, to come and visit us, in order to show us his love. Uh, and the, the problem is with nativity stories, it's like give us a, a huge representation about what God's like, that at the start of his journey, uh, what he was like. I remember my boy Sam, he was, he was in a nativity play a few years ago um, at, his, uh, at his school, and uh, uh, amongst the Mary and Joseph and the cows, there was also a Polish chef as well, so Sam, Sam was a Polish chef in his nativity story a few years ago. Um, <laughs> It's very true. Um, 
But we've, we, in all of that, <laughs> there's all kinds of other bad things going on as well. Um, but we remember that the, the baby Jesus, he represents the start of a journey. One which leads, in the end, to a painful death on the cross. Uh, but one in which he, he's rescued us away from sin and eternal separation uh, from our Father. Uh, and so I want to talk about Jesus, the refugee. Um, and that he knew what it was like to be a refugee. This, uh, as we know, the salvation story, uh, it's, it's universally, is, uh, produces shaking and power. Um, but he didn't grow up in a palace. He didn't grow up protected from the tough things of life. The, the, and I think this is part of the story, part of the nativity story that, that isn't really talked about. Uh, but Jesus, his, his early childhood will resonate with many Christians around the world this Christmas. The UN recently announced, uh, uh, about 18 months ago, that the number of people living as refugees has exceeded 50 million. And that's the first time it's reached that much since the Second World War. And many of these uh, refugees are Christians, fleeing persecution. And so after this well-known Christmas story, after the angels, after the star, after the shepherds, the cows, the Polish chefs, um, the wise men had all gone home. What happened was Herod, Herod, he... <laughs> Herod, he realised, if you read the story, Herod, he realised that he'd been duped by these wise men. And the story says that Herod lost it. He completely, he went ballistic. And what he did is he ordered a mass genocide, or infanticide, um, of every boy between zero and two years old, in and around Bethlehem. He, he ordered them to be killed. And his, and his plan was that if I can kill the baby, if I can kill that Nazarene, if I can kill that, that boy, and so a whole generation of boys was wiped out in weeks. Just a whole generation of boys. Um, when ISIS in, invaded Mosul uh, in the summer two years ago, 2014, Christians' homes, Christian homes in, in that city were marked with, uh, with a symbol, and the Arabic was, it was the Arabic for N. And Christian... Um, uh, and stood for Nazarene. Uh, the Christian, Nazarene Christian. And so like the baby boys in Bethlehem, they were also marked out because of their association with Jesus. Because like Herod, Isis, terrified of Jesus. Um, what we don't realise as Christians is that we've got world-changing power. We've got world-changing power. Uh, a, 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 a wizard part of a witch's cover. He said to, um, to a pastor, he said, if Christians knew how much power they had within them, they would change the world. He said, we go, we go around and create spells around the places and curses. It needs a God-fearing, spirit-filled Christian just to walk past that spell, and it's broken. If, and he said, if Christians knew how much power they had, we would change the world. So Isis got it, Herod's got it. And so incredibly, Jesus escaped, and Joseph was visited by an angel in a dream. And he told Mary to take the baby to Egypt, where they lived 
till Herod died. Um, and so it's the same. Many Christians, they escaped from Mosul and they fled to Kurdistan. Many refugees feel like they were in a foreign country. Uh, even though they're safely away from ISIS, many have seen just these terrible things, things that we can't even imagine. Uh, and there's a phrase that uh, they talk about having survivor's guilt. Um, survivor's guilt. So they flee the, the war-torn countries, but they're left with this guilt. The confusion, why then? Why were they able to escape and not other people? Why then? Um, and so like, last night, just for a couple of hours, I started thinking, I wonder whether Mo, uh, Mary, Joseph, or even Jesus struggled with this. Uh, they, they would have known a whole generation of boys that had just been killed, slaughtered, at the hands of the, of the king. I wonder whether they would have suffered any, anything like that. Survivor's guilt. Not only that, but they would have known relatives, friends, who had lost, lost boys. And so then to see baby Jesus running around in the village, where there weren't boys his own, his own age, would have been, could have been interesting. So as well as the guilt, they could have had grief to deal with as well. And so like the refugees in Kurdistan, Mary and Joseph wouldn't have known when they would have been able to go home. When can we go back home? Many of the refugees, they, they talk about, I just want to go back. I want to go back to my home. I want to go back home. And it wasn't safe to go back to Bethlehem. Instead, they went to Nazareth. Um, I need to move on. Matthew 25, 40. Jesus says, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Um, and so last night, uh, and just the last couple of days, each bag for me represents, I wonder what this person will look like as they pop on the jacket. I wonder what difference the little baby coat or warm, uh, uh, warm jacket is going to do for this family. Several times yesterday, I completely lost it. I completely was <coughs> just overwhelmed with we can do our bit, we can do our small bit to make a big difference to, to people. We really can, we really can. But Jesus, when he, when he talks about what he did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, um, part of the, part, in Matthew, part of the ancient Greek, it was written uh, that the word brothers and sisters could be also translated as strangers. Whatever you did for the strangers, for the least of these strangers, you did for me. So it's sober in the last couple of days. Actually, what we've been doing is we've been giving to Jesus. People have been giving through love, and what we're doing is just giving, giving to Jesus. Uh, last thing. Jesus offer, offers this sobering description of the last judgment in Matthew 25. Um, it, it talks about the brothers and sisters. Um, so it could be that in the English, where it talks about the strangers, 
a foreigner, the immigrant. Or in other words, if we don't welcome, if we don't welcome a stranger, Jesus takes it personally. We've been looking at um, Matthew, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, just to sort of bookend to finish what we've been doing, the first verse in the Sermon on the Mount: "Blessed are the poor." Blessed are the poor. Uh, it reveals God's heart to people. The scriptures here. And you've heard me say it before, virtually every page reveals God's heart to the, about the poor. If I was, a, if I was a, an editor or a reviewer of a book, I would say there's something about the author that he's overemphasized, that he or she has overemphasized this thing about the poor. Over 2,000 verses in, in the Bible speaks of God's heart for the poor, the marginalized, uh, compassion for the oppressed, his call for justice. The Bible's full of it. It's full of it. As a, as a reviewer, I'd say, it's full of this. Why has the author overemphasized it? Uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus wants to overemphasize uh, our mandate, if you like, towards the poor. Whether that's the poor in spirit, the physically poor, those that are sick, we're mandated to, to go after and do, do things like that. And so we make no compromise here. We want to um, actively <coughs> force us as a church to come face to face with the poor in our community. We want to almost go out of our way to interrupt ourselves, yeah. to face, go face to face to the poor. Um, as I was thinking last night, do you remember Neo in Matrix? The Matrix. Um, after the end of one of the scenes, he stands and the crowd of people are coming through him. And he stands in there and then suddenly he just opens up his hand and just to let, let people brush past him so he can touch the human, human beings. What we want to do as a church is stand face to face with the poor. Stand face to face. It's actually what we've got, uh, what we can offer people is, is revolutionary. Matthew 10.8 says that freely you've received now freely give. Now freely give. If we're mandated, what we've been given, we can freely give, give away. And so um, this next year, we're going to intentionally provoke ourselves to do that. For some of us, this comes naturally. Uh, some of you who, who gave up your time all day yesterday, all day Friday, um, that's more natural. For some of us, this isn't natural, it's uncomfortable. Um, next year, we, we want to do more of that where we intentionally provoke our preoccupation with ourselves to become more Christ-like. What would Jesus do? How would, he, how would he do that? And so as you read the Sermon on the Mount, we want you to meditate on it, to absorb it, to be provoked. Jesus' teaching, his moral teachings, his, his way of life to, is revolutionary. So absorb it. Uh, we're going to take communion now. Um, I'm going to come back off my bunny trails. And um, what we want to do is just remember Jesus. Remember what he's done for us, for you and me. But also, as you take communion, to almost take it seriously that we need to forgive those people that have offended us, hurt us, caused us pain. 
that we can then be forgiven, so that we can then enter into uh, grace, the grace of Jesus. So a couple of people are going to come up uh, to give, and how, how we simply do that here is um, come in your own time, uh, come in your own way, and uh, if you want to take communion, we, we simply rip and dip. So rip a piece of bread and dip it into the cranberry juice. Great juice.